You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Lisa. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited, actually. I, last time I was tired, I think the last three times I was tired, and <laughs> I'm still kind of tired, but I'm excited because we have another guest. We do. Is it another boy? It's another boy. Okay. <laughs> we got to stop boy? doing that. We need- I know. <laughs> Which boy this time? The boy this time is none other than Bob Wood, and he is a neighbor of mine. <laughs> he lives near me. Welcome, Bob. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Our pleasure. Thank you for entering at your own risk. <laughs> well, my wife allows me to meet with other girls as long uh-huh. as <laughs> as long as their husbands are close by. Right. <laughs> Mine is not, so we just won't tell him. <laughs> How's it going today, Bob? It's going well today. And I, uh, like I say, I'm happy to be here and it's, uh, it's an honor to join you. Awesome. So Bob, one of the things that I was really interested in talking to you about is you are very active in your Mac user group. So could you talk a little bit about what exactly is a Mac user group and why it's still relevant today? Okay. I'd be happy to, uh, Mac user groups or Apple user groups or, iOS user groups are a a community of people who get together to share knowledge, answer questions, help each other out um, with their issues, problems, and how to make them, how to make the people more productive and more comfortable with their, with their technology. Uh, User groups are not as urgently needed or as important as in this day as they were in the age before the internet. And that was even before the before times. Uh, Back in those days, it was important for businesses to be involved in user groups because that was how updates and software was uh, distributed. But now everybody can get an answer through Google. Everybody can see a demonstration on YouTube. Everybody can uh, do things on the internet that they couldn't do before. But user groups are still relevant, I think, in, in a lot of ways. I'm disappointed that Apple has little to no support for user groups today that they did have in the past. Formerly, they, they had a department or people or a person dedicated to user group promotion. Here in Tucson, we have a TMUG, Tucson Mac User Group. Our vice president, who is the contact person between the user group and Apple, has not had any communication from Apple, he says, in maybe 15 years. Wow, that's a long time. Apple does maintain an index to user groups, even though we are not a part of Apple. But if today, I tried it today and I tried it a couple days ago, if you go to apple.com and use their search to search on user groups, you'll get a result. That result gives you a picture of a bunch of people in the user group and it has a couple links below. One of them says area. When I click on that link, 
I get it takes me to a Wikipedia page for a take control book written by a user group officer, but it's not what I was looking for. I stumbled around a long time and I finally found the index where you could put in the name of your city or your state or your zip code and find a user group in your area. I found the listing for our user group, but it still says that we meet in person at the local hospital, which is no longer valid. Oh. I'm going to have to work to see if we can't update that. Yeah, how do you get but that changed? It seems unlikely anybody's going to find it. Do you so, think, go ahead. Do you think if uh, maybe there was more promotion on social media, that might help? Well, I think that Apple needs to get involved a little bit. Well, what did they oh, yeah, do I before? Yeah. What was Apple's part um, other than just listing your group on their website? They used to have a user group council. Mm whereby officers from various user groups would get on this council and tell Apple what they needed or what support they wanted and things like that. They could, Apple could spend some money on user groups. Probably if Apple were to spend as much money on user groups annually as they do in producing only one commercial. Right, right. Not not broadcasting a commercial, just making yeah. the commercial. Yeah. If they did that, then things would be better. Yeah. The return on investment would be really, really sweet. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's true that user groups have been getting grayer and grayer over mm-hmm. the years. Uh, our group is not immune to that. We are in an area that are a lot of retired people. People mm-hmm. come to Arizona for the sunshine and the no snow. But, and kids these days, they're not joiners <laughs> so much. Yeah. But if uh, Apple learned the lesson that many politicians have learned, mm-hmm. is that seasoned citizens, like a lot of us gray people are, they listen to what the politician or the or the company or the corporation has to say, and they vote. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm pretty sure Medicare and Social Security are, even though if they say it's on the chopping block, it's really not going to be because politicians know that they want to have a job after the next election. Mm-hmm. And so... There's, like Melissa said, there's a big return on investment if you give something to the user groups. And it could be, okay, we're going to ship you a pen for every one of your uh, members. Mm -hmm. They used to have, at Macworld, there was a user group breakfast Mm -hmm. where they would uh, distribute, got a user group t-shirt or a user group hat. and tell you what they're going to do for the user groups. You know, that's all gone by the wayside. So I would like to see Apple get more involved in user groups. I would also like to see podcasters and pundits and writers about Apple get more involved in user groups. Here we are. To to their own benefit. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, all of these pundits 
should become a member of their local user group. Mm-hmm. Give them a few bucks a year, and that will help the user group. But it will also provide the podcaster or the or the writer with more listeners or readers. It will also serve to strengthen the Apple community and maybe add to the advertising base for those podcasters or writers or websites. You know, what's it going to cost them? The user group dues are very inexpensive usually. And if they give a presentation or two per year, that's going to really help the user group and the person doing the presentation. So I think I uh, I can get off my, my soapbox now. Uh, do you guys have any comments or questions regarding that? Well, I do as an outsider, not, not ever having been in a user group. Do you focus just on the computer or is that how it started? And then as time went on, the phone got brought in and then the iPad and the other various Apple services? Yes, all, all of the above. It started with the, the computer because that's all there was. But then as new products were added, uh, new demonstrations happened. Now we have a way to display iPhones or iPads. Uh, the only thing we haven't really worked out well is Apple TV. Yeah, I, I want to work Apple that in Watch. eventually. <laughs> yeah, that was one of your uh, uh-huh. suggestions. Melissa. Yeah, right before yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> Yeah. As soon as we got that new place to meet up, I, I that was the you know that was the first thing I was looking at. And when I looked at the library, you know, I was like, look at the at the projector mm-hmm. screen. Look, there's HDMI port we could plug right in. Oh, I was so hot for that. Oh, what a buzzkill. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll have a new model, and then we can talk about it then. Yep, yeah, that that could be. Anything else I, about? I like the social aspect. I mean, even though we're not meeting in person right now, but I mean, even when we were, it was just so nice to see people and it was just so nice to get together in a group where you had a common goal. You had common knowledge. I mean, things that you were looking to learn. Um, I think one of the last times that we met, one of my favorite times was when we talked about all the the photography tools like for printing and you guys brought in all the samples. I love that. That was my favorite thing. And that's something, that's one thing that we can't replace with zoom when we've actually brought things to meetings where things have gotten passed around, you know, like when they, when Kurt brought in samples and passed those around, you can't do that in a, in a zoom. So it definitely has, it's, there's definitely, it has its redeeming qualities for still getting together in person. And I miss that. But I'm also really, really grateful for how things have gone. I was a little concerned. I'll be honest with you. I was a little like you mentioned in in your notes here that more and more of of the seasoned citizens are are more and more comfortable with Zoom. I so I have to ask you then: Is that like a baptism by fire thing? Is it kind of sink or swim? Did you feel pressured to go that route, or did it just kind of come naturally to you? And this was just the natural evolution of of the groups to come. What do you think? Well, I think the, the uh, first of all, T-Mug meets via Zoom these days. Mm-hmm. And that was an outgrowth of the lockdown. Mm-hmm. We had to do something, either yeah. that or dissolve the group, and we didn't want to do that. And I was so glad that you did. But now, pretty much everybody is... Uh, familiar with, happy with, and comfortable with Zoom. 
using Zoom as a uh, a generic word like Kleenex. Mm-hmm, right. It's right become now we're that, talking on Skype, but mm-hmm. uh, TMUG uses Zoom, and um, another group I visit is uses WebEx, but everybody is getting comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when you couldn't get somebody older to do FaceTime. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. I can't do mm-hmm. that. But now or the fear was there too. I think a lot of it has gotten over the fear. Uh, right. Trepidation. So, but what uh, if I break it? <laughs> it's right. so expensive. What if I push a button and it blows up? <laughs> <laughs> push so, here, dummy. This is the PhD yeah. button. <laughs> so our hope for the future is at some time to resume in-person uh, meetings because the community, the in-person community is important. Mm-hmm. Here in Tucson, we have a different type of meeting in December where we have Christmas cookies and snacks and drinks brought in and we talk more to each other rather than presentations and try to get to know your neighbor. When I was part of the Milwaukee, Wisconsin uh, user group called DoubleClick, we would have a special meeting in August where we would have a a corn roast or a corn boil in a park someplace or in somebody's backyard. And um, that's great. That, you know, that worked out, that worked out well for us too. So we have one month that is realistically just community. In 11 months where it is more of a, a meeting and presentation and demonstration and um, question and answer and so forth. So you meet on a monthly basis? We meet on a monthly basis. For about, basis. what, two hours maybe? Yeah, something like that. In yeah. fact, here in Tucson, we have two meetings that run back to back. The first meeting lasts an hour and it's called, uh, we call it Ask the Experts. It's really just a question and answer period where we have a couple of really smart people that answer most of the questions. Melissa uh, is one of the smart people when she can, who can never a, make that meeting <laughs> when, whenever she can get away doing, early yeah. enough to make that meeting. Yeah. I have to like, like I love coming to the meetings, but I have to like extract myself from so many things to be able to do it. So it is, it's a challenge to get to the meetings, you know, and that's one of the difficult things. I mean, it's a challenge that I try to rise to each time. And my family is supportive about it, but there's always still that like, but mom, or, you know, there's just always that one last thing that I, that I still have to attend to or dinner ran late or, you know, something. And there's yeah. just always something going on. Well, we certainly understand that, you know, we're happy to have you when you can make it, Melissa. Well, have um, you thought about um, in the future when you, when things open up again and you can have your in-person meetings to also have it via Zooms for the people who can't make it for whatever reason? We would. We I was going like to ask that. that question too. Yeah, that was. That's our our hope and our intent. If we can get a venue that a we can afford, which means free, uh, and we can reserve that's it. Difficult, I've found because I was trying you know, to research that. Right. Yeah, that's not as easy. And we can as reserve it, it far enough in advance so we can print up a schedule, and it has enough bandwidth available to us that we can zoom out of the meeting while having a meeting in person because um 
as I said, there's a lot of retirees down here. And there are some retirees who have, you know, one foot in a in, in a bucket of hot sand and one foot, foot in a bucket of snow. And we call them snowbirds. <laughs> some people down here use that term derogatorily. I do not. I don't. I, I haven't heard no. it. Snowbirds no. is just someone yeah. who winters in the South. That's the way we right. use it up here. If you're a snowbird, it means you go to Florida normally, at least, you know, from New York, uh, you're going to Florida. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, this way, our snowbird members can participate 12 months a year. And, uh, you know, also we have members who are older to the point where, oh, I don't drive at night. Mm, yeah. <laughs> or shut-ins or people who are ill or have a have a disability that, right. that makes it difficult to come out. And that's what I've I've seen happen over time that I like to see is more accessibility. I think it's it's becoming more accessible for people. I just having working in the field that I work in and doing what I do for a living, even just part-time, working with, you know, the more seasoned citizens, the vintage folk, they all tell me just, you know, how valuable it is to get together and, you know, Quite honestly, several of them I know are lonely. They either admit it so outright and they'll say how lonely they are or they don't have to say it. And I can just tell that they are isolated and they really like to get together with people. And, you know, right now, Zoom or, you know, video meetings is a kind of an intermediary to that. But I think that right there alone, even if the person who is attending a user group meeting might not be very knowledgeable about computers, but it's it's a willingness to learn is what brings them in. And then the social aspect, I think, is what keeps them coming back. That's what, what I've yeah. observed. Uh, one of the things I've learned over the years is I've had several different first-timers come up to me after the meeting and say, oh, well, that was kind of fun, but it was it was all over my head. I mm-hmm. I really, I really couldn't understand very much of it and and to which my standard reply has always been if you think about it i bet you there's one or two pieces of the information that you got stuck to you and it might help you when you come back next month three or four more pieces might stick and help Mm -hmm. you and pretty soon uh you're we're going to be asking you to do a demonstration When I first got my, when I got my first Mac, he will. I I can attest to that. <laughs> how many I have found, I done now? <laughs> I, I I found out about user groups about a month later. Thank you, uh, Bob Levitis, uh-huh. and your book, Doctor Macintosh. And I went to a meeting and I enjoyed it. And I went back the next month, and six months later, I found myself as the treasurer of the group. And giving a demonstration on Quicken. I wondered how you got started. I was hoping you would share that. So you started out as the treasurer. I started out as the treasurer, yes. This is in Milwaukee. Okay. They weren't always just the president, huh? (laughs) I've not been El Presidente for life every year. Okay. (laughs) But I started out, uh, I was downsized in my job. And I realized, well, I'm going to have to start sending out resumes and writing cover letters and stuff. Uh-huh. So I w- went to Office Max Depot and looked at typewriters. Okay, 
because I took typing in, in summer school one year. I lasted all about maybe four weeks. <laughs> um, I can do this. And I saw a typewriter that had a little bit of memory, had a little little screen, and it remembered the last 50 characters you typed, and you could go back. Oh, like the precursor to a uh, word processor. Right. An and then uh, I saw the uh, a little bit more and a little bit more, and then I had a cousin of mine introduce me to a Mac, probably 512. And I thought that was a great thing. So I went to a local Apple reseller and they sold me a Mac classic uh-huh. and a style writer one uh-huh. style writer. Boy, that did, that did so much better than a typewriter. It looks so nice and all that kind of stuff. And the fact that I was laid off and it took me six months to find a job gave me the time I needed to learn how to use that Mac. And I have, uh, and then I became involved in the user group and, and, you know, one day they said, uh, who would like to be, uh, the treasurer. And I did not take one step back when everybody else did. (laughs) That's how it happens. I've been in PTOs like that. (laughs) So I was involved in the Milwaukee group until my wife and I moved down here to Arizona and I, I kept up with the user groups, but I left my snowblower behind. Uh-huh. Yep, you don't have to shovel sunshine here. No. <laughs> so that's a good example of when one door closes, another door opens, it sounds like. Absolutely. So what have you been doing um, for business-wise? Like, So what was your, your prior job working with numbers, working with? you know, some kind of an accounting well, or shortly, like when did you get into photography is what I'm leading into. Well, I've been into photography since, um, the sixties. Okay. Back in, back in the olden days. But has it I always had, been your bread and butter? Uh, really has for a while there. I did. I when remember when you were the age, when all of your friends were getting married. Yeah. And you'd have, three or four or five weddings to go every year, mm-hmm. go to every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, during those days, I was a wedding photographer. Oh, okay. Okay. I had a, a photography mentor who was my uncle, who had been a professional photographer since shortly after World War II. That is hard work. I just have to say, I tried it one time. I've dabbled in photography and I, and I photographed as a gift was you know what my my friend was getting yeah. married just like you said and what was i going to give her as a gift and i wanted to give her the gift of taking her wedding pictures it was it was right in the it was in the beginning of um SARS back in i want to say it was like 2003 she was going to get married at the at Niagara Falls on the New York side and we were all supposed to go up there i mean everything got canceled and luckily short long story short a friend of mine was able to to get her a venue like last minute and it all worked out and it was great. And it was this beautiful place, this manor. This is out in Pennsylvania. And you'll you'll appreciate this. The the grass it had rained so much here, so much rain that year. The grass was so green that it was like electric. And I had used Fuji film at the time. 
And I don't know, it just seemed like that it picked up the green so much more that I actually had to go into Photoshop and like dial it back a little bit. I, have you ever had to do that? Have you experienced that? That was my first and last and only experience with being a wedding photographer. And I'll never do it again, only because, well, it was just, it was very stressful. Like, oh my gosh, if you don't get the shot, you know, you're making, you're helping to contribute to make somebody's memories here. And I did get some really wonderful shots that got framed and, you know, printed and framed and still hanging in her, in her house and captured her grandmother and, you know, all of, all of that kind of those wonderful, lovely things. But I missed the entire wedding. It was my friend's wedding. So that was like kind of the sacrifice that I made. I didn't really get to see the wedding. I was there. But looking through the lens is very different than actually observing. You know, you're, well, you're I, working. When I was a wedding photographer, there was only film. Mm -hmm. Photoshop was was not a thing. Yeah. I mean, and this, and this was film that I shot, by the way, this was just right before I started getting into digital. So this was my, my 35 millimeter camera. I would use Fuji film and yeah, then I would take it to a developing place and get it digitized and then work with the digital prints from there. Yeah. So, the wedding, I have a negatives. friend, I have a friend who was, is a commercial photographer mm. shooting some model work, but a lot of product shots and so forth. And he, characterize wedding photography as the trench warfare of the photography industry. Yeah, I can see that. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. The wedding photographer has to be the first one there and the last one to leave. And then he has to be the first one at the next venue, be it the, the bride's home, the church, mm -hmm. the reception and so forth. Uh, you got to be there and you got to know what shots you got to take. And you got to look for candidates at the same time. It's uh, it's a lot of work. It's it's stressful. It's kind of grueling. It's it's very rewarding though when those shots do when when you when you capture those moments that nobody else can get, mm -hmm. and they happen. I mean, I I guess I just got really lucky. I mean, a little, little bit of skill. I I I think I'm pretty good at composition, but I and and being a woman too is a little bit different because I had access to places that I don't know that a male photographer might have. So like I got some really wonderful shots of her getting getting ready, getting dressed, you know, putting her makeup on, you know, in her slip and and that sort of thing. And, you know, her sister passed away and, you know, I got a really wonderful picture of her and her sister putting makeup on together that ended up being, you know, used. It wasn't just the wedding photography. Then these pictures then end up, ended up being used later on in life, you know, because it's been almost 20 years mm -hmm. since that happened. But then. You know, those moments that you capture, they, they last, you know, and then they get used for other things. So it's, it's so, a very honorable position to be in. Yeah, it is. It is. One time I had the reception venue change the name on the sign because they misspelled Sharon. Oh, oh my. Until the bride and the groom arrived. And they said, and the bride said, they misspelled my name. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I also remember wow. running through the kitchen, trying to borrow a knife uh -huh. to cut the cake with. Yeah, somebody and didn't think about that detail, huh? And cutting some ribbon off one present to tie on the knife. Well, <laughs> making those like last minute adjustments because, you know, it'll make the shot look that much better. Yeah, right. I have to say, I, this is a fascinating topic. So um, there's uh, a wedding that I attended where the photographer was a, a family member who did it as a gift too. But I have to say that it takes different kind of photographer to do certain topics. And this photographer was a sports photographer. 
and doing sports photography and people photography is very, very different because when I looked at the prints, I was like, yeah, they're not close. They're like far away and things were kind of grainy because of the type of film and the type of lens that, we, that was used. And, you know, when you're photographing sports or cars or people moving really fast, it's very different from people that are standing still or, you know, maybe maybe dancing would be okay. But, you know, the actual wedding part and the ceremony, yeah, not so much. So there's, they, yeah, he probably have did the right tool for the on job. The, on the catching the bouquet. Mm-hmm. Because that's almost sports-like. Yeah, you got to be like on, you know, ready to go. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. So did you photograph a lot of weddings? So that was uh, your bread I and butter did, for a while? I don't know. I did a couple dozen maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Do you get burnout? You, well, you get a little burnout and, and yeah. you know, life happened and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And then when mm-hmm. I was in a user group, one of my user group friends introduced me to digital photography and I got one of these little cameras about the size of a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, like a power shot. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah, because yeah, I have one of those. Something. It's about that size. Mm-hmm. And so I got back into photography mm-hmm. and I started using Photoshop at version three. Mm-hmm. And I, I do some fine art photography. I do some product photography. Since and my retouching wife is, too, right? Since my wife is an artist, mm-hmm. uh, we know a lot of artists and oftentimes they need photography of their artwork done. A lot for, of artists here in Arizona. For uh, archival work and for having prints made and so forth. Um, so that's my photography these days. I also do websites starting with my wife's website. When I got a Valentine's Day present from her of Claris homepage. Oh my. Hi, honey. Here's here's your here's your Valentine's Day present. I love you. Now you can make a website for me. Make something for me. <laughs> how many times, how many other times has that happened in a marriage? Here, honey, here's a gift for you. Can yeah, you here's make a, something here's this? a gift for you. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to love it. It's it's a new vacuum. <laughs> oh, I love a new vacuum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, there are vacuum cleaner geeks and I and I know a few. <laughs> well, That's we awful. have we have a robot vacuum now. It's a whole world you can get sucked into. <laughs> <laughs> Guys listening to this like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> We've got a little Roomba now that we've named Rosie. Oh, that's funny. Rosie the robot from the Jetsons. The Jetsons, yeah. And we found a, a little sticker of Rosie to put on the on the, the Roomba. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> You're such a nerd. I love it. <laughs> so so that's a little bit about your your history. Is there anything else you want to share with us about, you know, um your involvement in the the Apple group. Where where what's the future for you? Do you are you happy sticking around as president? I hope. Well, it seems like I've been elected to El Presidente for life uh, <laughs> without really trying. Uh-huh. Um, there are times I enjoy it, and as you know, Melissa, I can get up in front of a group of people and uh, bloviate without 
uh, breaking a sweat. Well, we need people like you. Um, you know, if I had more, if I did not have the job as president, I might like to do the, uh, to do the newsletter. Okay. I might find that interesting. Do you enjoy writing? Well, not necessarily. I'm doing, doing more of the page layout of the newsletter. Okay. That's what I mean. I, Mm -hmm. I, I write for our newsletter probably more than anybody else because I always put a column in the newsletter and writing is really hard for me. You just want to get excuse to use publisher. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got your number. (laughs) You know, they say that you should learn how to type faster. I don't think that fast. (laughs) I I probably don't think faster than 20 words a minute. And so my 500 word column each month takes me many hours to write, even after I have the idea of what I'm going to write about. Yeah, that opening that sentence, that's always the hardest one. Yep, it is. <laughs> Once you get past that opening <laughs> sentence, at least I find that with reviewing, that opening sentence is killer. But then once you get mm-hmm. past that, then usually it's, you know, it kind of flows. But I'm hearing I, you say you would like to collect the writings of other people and put it together. And do the page layout. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes um, sense. I would, before we leave the topic of user groups, I would like to thank a few people who have come to TMUG and made presentations. Uh, and of the names that you will probably, that many will probably recognize, include uh, Joe Kissel of Take Control Books. Oh, nice. Uh, Kelly Gamont. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Chuck Joyner, Bob Levitis. And this month we have David Sparks as uh, our guest. Nice. We're getting month. back Sparky. <laughs> yeah, he's going to talk about paperless. See, so, Lisa, you should join our group. That's I know. I honestly, it's funny you should mention <laughs> that because as as Bob has been talking, I was starting to think: Do people join who don't live in the Tucson area? Like, what would be the benefit for someone who cannot physically go ever well, because of location? For you, you'd have to stay up a lot later, probably, because yeah. we start at seven o'clock. So yeah, we start to... at seven o'clock Arizona time, yeah. so that's mm-hmm. ten o'clock yeah, your time in the summer. Ten, yeah, either nine or ten and, o'clock. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting ready but for we my do have, rest. But... We do have people. I've also now that we're we recording have Zoom them more and things that now that we have Zoom and Zoom is um, a word like Kleenex, mm-hmm. we can visit more i visit more user groups now than i have in the past i will often attend the user group meeting in milwaukee at double click that's double dash click dot org and i have been known to join the user group meeting in suffolk england yeah i've been invited to that one i couldn't make the last one or two now how did that one come about well, actually, the president of that group contacted us. I'm not sure how he found me, but their meeting is 7.30 at night, um, England time, which is 11.30 a.m. or 12.30 a.m. our time. Mm. And so that works out good okay. for for us here. Yeah, so that's the challenge is trying to find a good time, especially when you're crossing time zones. That's it's, yeah. it's like it's like when we're trying to schedule things for the podcast. It's the same Ex- kind of thing. Exactly. It's the, that's the challenge. Well, Melissa, you started to, to say scheduled. that 
the the tea mug um, meetings are now taped. Is that something you yeah, put on so, YouTube so that for people like me or any other people who were members, yes. they can't make it? They can just the next day go on YouTube and watch the meeting. Obviously, they can't yes. participate and have yes, any questions, but at least they can get whatever information was was mm-hmm. in part, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We you have, can go to their YouTube channel and watch the last presentation that I gave. Right. <laughs> and you can find the YouTube channel from our website, tmug.com. Oh, let me go look at that. Which Bob has, has made lovingly. <laughs> Well, yeah, sort of. It could be better, but I didn't use the professional tools to do it. Oh, a website could always be better. That's that's well, the, that's true. Yeah, that's just the problem. <laughs> I'm constantly thinking about. I, I I fall asleep at night sometimes, exhausted, thinking about. Oh, I got to do that on my website. Oh, I got to do that on my website. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a labor of love. So we have a we have an elected position uh on tmug that is the c v c o chief video <laughs> conference officer and is that's that what our friend, roger does that's our friend roger mm-hmm. and uh it's been kind of spotty as far as the stuff he gets to put up on the website but the last meeting is certainly there and the star of our last meeting was melissa thank mm-hmm. you melissa and if you start watching that that uh, uh, video on YouTube, go to about one hour and 30 minutes, and that's where she starts talking about making labels with Avery and Pages. I, so that's, I have something embarrassing to admit. So I think one of the first, not one of the first presentations I did, but I think the first or maybe it was the second present i think it was the first presentation that i did i didn't realize you know roger's microphone is nice and really loud and i didn't realize that my microphone that's why i've been so fastidious about the placement of this thing because here i am you know presenting and i get like halfway through it and i think it was marv the pipes up he's like um we can't hear you (laughs) (laughs) and And i went back and i listened to like darn it they can't hear me it was such a good presentation and they couldn't hear me so you live and you learn and that's important for us old folks. It is. It is. What, and I know that from working with people that it's so important to speak clearly, try to slow down a little bit because I'm usually caffeinated squirrel uh, and speak loudly and sometimes even too loud. You know, we, we've learned over the years we have to speak loud enough, almost too loud to the point it's better to have to turn it down yes. than to struggle to turn it back up right. again. So. We try to keep our volume louder, but Absolutely. yeah, that was one of those hard lessons to learn. But that's the thing about, about user groups that I will say, if people are thinking about joining, it is a really wonderful place to kind of cut your teeth. And, you know, Bob's always been telling me, come on in, or, or maybe it's Kurt that says it, come on in, the water's just fine. You know, dip your toe and like, okay, <laughs> it's just us <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> a, a corollary to the, make sure your voice is loud enough on a recording is something that David Sparks said several years ago when he's talking about making a presentation in keynote. Mm-hmm. He said that his rule of thumb was the smallest font size should be equal to the age of the oldest uh, viewer. Mm-hmm. So if you got <laughs> a 70 year old viewer, something you like start that. out really large. Yeah. If it's big, make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, you gotta, and and you should practice these things. And uh, you know, I also learned, you know, I think it's Marv that's usually giving us the 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 feedback on on the visuals that contrast is king. You know, try to have really good contrast. So it, 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 the point I'm making is that there's a lot to be learned, not just from uh, vintage folk, but just anybody. The the skills that you learn applying that towards that will help you in other areas of life. I think right. so. I personally, I mean, I know I'm biased because I'm a I'm a member, but I really find a lot of value into it. I I shouldn't admit this, but there's there's more that I wish that I could do, and maybe as I get older and my kids get older, I can do more. As yes, I'm I'm being groomed. I know this. <laughs> right. For, for example, the background that I see of you, Melissa is basically light blue on medium blue. You don't want to do that in a presentation Mm -hmm. because there's a whole bunch of people that could be able to read what you're typing. Mm -hmm. For a background looking like uh, tie-dye, it's just wonderful. (laughs) Do you want to talk about car play next a little bit? Uh, We started talking about that prior to recording and I wanted to hear more about that. And I know, Lisa, you said you're not, you know, too interested in it. But uh, my car is getting to be like 20 years old. And eventually it's going to have to be replaced with something. And I want to know a little bit more about CarPlay. I want to know what, what you're passionate about. Is that a good topic don't, that we should move into? Don't buy a car without CarPlay. <laughs> okay. Now, there was a podcaster who once was talking about well, I'm not going to use, I have CarPlay in my car, but I never use it because I have to plug my, my iPhone in to use CarPlay. I can't wait until there's Bluetooth CarPlay, which is appearing in some, uh, on some models. I disagree. I think having to plug your phone into CarPlay in your car is the right way to do it. You mean that because there's, you mean to tell me there's people out there who don't plug their phone in when they get in the car no because they use they use blue oh and we have a hand raised over here yep. uh, on the eastern seaboard i don't um, i only i only plug yeah, it in yeah. when it's you a long a, trip and the battery's going otherwise okay yeah. the, you know i don't need to the, you can't do that in arizona <laughs> because <laughs> the sun just murders batteries i've said this time and time again we have to have them plugged in <laughs> So that would not be a problem for me. Well, I'm not talking about ruining the battery or discharging the battery. What I'm talking about is if your habit is you sit in the car, you plug in your phone and you set it in its spot, wherever that spot is. Yep. Then when you go someplace, go to the grocery store and you're using your phone as your grocery list. Mm -hmm. When you get back in the car, you go, where's my phone? You're going to remember that you forgot your phone, whether it's at your friend's house or your your uh, neighbor or something like that, before you drive away, rather than oh yeah yeah rather than going hours later going, where's my phone? Yeah, it's all about behavior modification, and yeah, I I'm always I teach the kids that you know pick certain places that you always put your phone, you know one of one or three places that that the phone will always be when you go to look for it. <laughs> a place for everything and everything in its place. What drove that home is back back before uh, Touch ID. Okay. It was Christmas morning. Uh-oh. And my wife and I get up and have some coffee and a little breakfast, and we start to open our presents. I and she wants to take a picture playing in the background. <laughs> she wants to play, take a picture of, of one of the presents to send it off to the person who sent it to her. 
I can't find my phone. I wonder where my phone is. I've looked, I've looked everywhere. So we went to her computer and we were able to do the find my iPhone thing back in those days. And I said, well, here's your phone, dear. Uh It's in the parking lot of the grocery store we were at yesterday. To which she replied a two word reply. First word was O. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the second word started with S. Uh-huh. <laughs> of course, it was, we couldn't call the grocery store because it was what? Christmas right. Day. I... <laughs> so we decided, well, we know what we're doing first thing tomorrow. Uh-huh. Call the grocery store the next morning. Somebody found the phone and they turned it in to the lost and found. And there it was. Uh-huh. Oh, she yeah. got lucky. She yep. got real lucky. And I said, that's why you need to have a password on your phone. Oh, my gosh. Because she didn't do that before because, oh, that takes too much time. Mm-hmm. I, I can't. I said, what? It cost you three quarters of a second, maybe? Has she mm-hmm. met my husband? I was going to say. <laughs> I think they might be related. I, I, I'm starting to think. Between the three of us, I think like everybody has that one spouse. Like we're that spouse for other things, okay? But we all have that one spouse who just can't be bothered. Well, luckily, Apple was holding a sale on their new iPhone that had Touch ID between Christmas and New Year's. So mm-hmm. by New Year's, we both had new iPhones. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so having her trained to use Touch ID helped her remember. To keep her phone, well, she, you know, or touch remember ID where was she put so it much faster than typing yeah. in four digits, four numbers. Right. And so that in case she ever did leave it at the grocery store. Right. Yeah. Cause my husband's done that at Bookman's. In fact, I think the latest one, <laughs> he doesn't listen to this, so that's okay. <laughs> but he knows that I always make fun of him. I think he's done it three times now. And this last time, and it's always been when he's being like a good Samaritan. I mean, God love him. He's always, he's always doing something helpful when this happens. One time it was changing the baby's diaper and he left it on the sink in a place and somebody got it. Uh, we been, knock on wood, knock on wood, which is the name of this episode. We have always gotten it back. I hope that continues to be. Yep. But this last time he was helping somebody at this was before the pandemic. He was helping somebody at a bookman's and Bob, you know what a bookman's is. And mm-hmm. for those who don't know, it's it's like a consignment type of a place, but it's not just clothes. It's like everything. It's it's books records, you know, teacups, I mean, all kinds of stuff. It's a really great place. Anyway, uh, he was helping somebody out in the parking lot. And I think he he wasn't, I guess he was just trying to be helpful. And he put his phone, of all places, on the roof of his car. <laughs> and it went boom, you know. Luckily, luckily, also, not in addition to uh, passwords and passcodes, also very important for our, our lovely spouses, our cases that protect them when they roll off the top of the roof of the car. And so, yes, luckily, same kind of thing happened. Um, he realized it right away. So it, it wasn't quite as far as like, you know, a day had gone by and, oh, where's my phone? He realized it right away, like as soon as he got home and our son has a phone, <laughs> thanks to Bob and Bart, um, and we were able to use Find My find my iPhone and somebody had turned it in and it was turned into the Bookman's and he was able to go right back there and, and retrieve it. Another tip that I like to give is make sure uh, if this happens to people, I always have to give a tip during this episode, of course. Uh, my tip for this would be make sure that you have an identifiable uh, photo or image 
or piece of artwork of some sort on your lock screen or make sure that your case is very identifiable because if you ever, if this ever happens to you, and this has happened to clients where they've lost a device, one person lost it at an airport. And when they, when they, when you speak to them on the phone or when you go to lost and found and you go to retrieve that device and they say, well, what color is it? And if you say it's black, well, chances are good that there's going to be 10 other black devices in there. Okay. That's not good enough. Okay. Well, what does this case look like? Well, it's blue, you know, so it makes it, make it something descriptive, make sure that it's got a sticker on it or, or something that is, that is unique to you. And if the phone is still able to power on, which is what saved us in each and every time, having a good lock screen photograph on it. And so in this case, it was my husband wearing this like funky hat. And so when, when my son went in to go retrieve it and they said, well, what does it look like? And it says, well, it has, has a picture of my dad on it. It looks kind of like a biker. And he's like, oh, you mean this one? <laughs> so, you know, or if it's got your dog on it, you know, something that you can describe. So that would be my tip regarding this is make sure that it's got something descriptive on it so that you can identify it to the lost and found later. And that's why if you plug your phone into the car, mm-hmm. every time you get in the car, you're going to go, where is it? Oh. Here it is. It's on the roof of the car. Yep, exactly. It's or, behavior modification. Yeah, I left it. I left it in the kitchen of my uncle Charlie's house down this uh, that I'm just leaving now. So that's a, a plus of Apple CarPlay. Another one is uh, I listen to podcasts instead of music. Here in Arizona, we have a fair amount of windshield time. It's like twenty minutes plus to get anywhere. It is. And there's, I find podcasts more interesting than music almost all the time. I do have satellite radio in the car and that's for when my wife and I are driving someplace and she doesn't want to listen to Guy and Gaz uh, (laughs) talk about whatever it is that they talk about. (laughs) Hello, Guy. Hello, Gaz. Um, But she likes listening to the geekiest show ever, right? (laughs) Yeah. And you can send and receive phone calls and texts safely, hands-free, leaving most of your attention on the road. You know, you say, hey, hey, Shlomo, send a text to Melissa. Mm -hmm. Okay, what do you want to (laughs) say? Almost there. (laughs) Yep. So it's really handy. Now, is, uh, so what would be your advice for someone you know, looking to get a new car or looking to get a new used car, especially, what would you want to look for, you know, uh, version? I mean, wh- where it, will it tell you that? And if it just says that it has CarPlay, Apple CarPlay I, in it, you know, like, for I example, don't know for sure, devices, but I think, I think yeah, there's really version? only two flavors of CarPlay according to the car manufacturers. Okay. Wired and wireless. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh, I think the updates to CarPlay happen on the phone. Okay. What the car has is just has um, API hooks that allow okay. the phone to do its thing. Okay. So if I'm looking at a, a car that's several years older, you know, 2015, if it says it has CarPlay, it's bound to work with my phone. It is it is bound to work with your phone. That's There's also navigation. Yeah. Really helpful. Now, now, could you use Google Maps if you wanted to instead of? I use Google Maps for navigation when I'm going on long trips because I like the. um, There's a, a tire in the road coming up in half a mile. Mm 
Yeah, because it's got Waze integration. Yeah. Right. I, I like Apple Maps. I want to use it more and more, but it's mm-hmm. taking some time. We've we've yeah, talked I about s- this before. Still we won't prefer beat Google. this to death. Still prefer yeah, Google I, Maps. I do. I, I almost, I almost always use Apple Maps. Okay. It's but just, it's, it's led me into the wrong place too many times, but I hope that that changes. I think it's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference between what a navigation program wants you to do and what a local would do. Mm-hmm. Right, right. For the sure. navigation program almost always will get you there eventually. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, the local would say, oh, we got to turn down this alley, go past Hector's yeah. tire and tire and brake, <laughs> and then turn left and you'll get there three minutes faster. That's the thing I love about living here in Arizona, especially where we live in the Tucson area. Everything's a grid because that, which you just described is, was my whole life back in, in the East. I, I, everybody knows I'm from Pennsylvania and that's how they would give you instructions for driving somewhere. Well, you got to go down to what used to be Fritz's. Like how in the world would you know that if you're, you know, a new person on the road, but you have to learn these things. You have to learn what the place used to be called. You have to learn, you know, what it looked like. It's all landmarks and it's all left and right. None of the Southwest, North, you know. But do yeah. you talk in miles or time? Usually time. Because here yeah. it's, it's a 20 minute drive. It's not five miles. Mm-hmm. It's a 20 minute drive because, right. you know, five, it's five miles. It, it's relative. You know, are you talking yeah, five no, miles? miles? Are you talking about five miles city or five miles highway? Right. So there's right. a difference yeah, no, there. Here, so we just say 15 to 20 minutes yeah, away. From point A to point mm-hmm. B will take you 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Whereas out in the east, if you get stuck behind a horse and buggy, which that yeah. happens, yeah. or you end up taking a wrong turn and end up so- on somebody's farm, because that happens, <laughs> yeah, it could take you a lot longer. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember getting instructions from my sister on navigation when she lived in philadelphia suburbs oh yeah you can and only says, turn okay, left up, on these streets because yeah, <laughs> every well, other she, you know, she one just, way. the same thing you know you go up to what used to be the arco station yeah, yeah. and you turn turn left and, and so forth and then okay i'm thinking okay now we get to that intersection do i go straight or turn left oh you can do either yeah see i used to have to take pre-trips when i lived out east because if i had to go anywhere in philly I would have to drive there first so that I knew where I was going so that I wouldn't be late to the meeting the next day. It was that bad. Then again, that's just, you know, paranoid. <laughs> so what I really like about navigation, Apple CarPlay preferred, is the fact that even if I'm using it here in Tucson, and I, I know pretty much where I'm going. Mm-hmm. I've lived here for 15 years now. Is... Well, I know that I need to turn right on Smith Street, but I'm not sure f- how far away Smith Street is. Yeah. With navigation, it tells you, you know, you're going to turn in a half a mile. So I don't have to look at every cross street and going, is that Smith Street? Mm. Yeah, because I can't see the streets, especially if it's at night. And the thing I do like about about using Apple Maps, at least when I'm using it on the phone, so I can I can imagine this translates to using CarPlay, is you can say, hey, S-Lady, what's my next turn? Because I, I get kind of anxious, like, okay, when's it coming up? What, what was it called? Or what should I be looking for? You know, 
Um, the thing I don't like, and, and you can tell me if this has improved or not, because this is one thing I will be looking for if I use maps more frequently, is it, it feels like to me when I'm using Google Maps and I'm driving, uh, they let you know where to turn in a timely manner. Whereas in Apple Maps, it's like, oh, oh, you mean that turn right back there that I just passed? <laughs> they tell you when you're on top of the turn. And that, I that really. I don't have a problem with that in, in Apple Maps. Okay. Maybe. maybe but I like better. Apple Maps much better than our first Garmin. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. Because the Garmin lady, if you missed a turn, she would say, recalculating. <laughs> this, they still do. They still do because I've I have built in of, yeah I've like, built in GPS in my car and it does you, you stupid git recalculate if you have just follow my instructions you'd be here by now now I have to go through all this extra work <laughs> to recalculate your That's route funny. it's funny how technology does that like I we have a we and and we actually don't use it like we really want intended to we we got it for working out and I'll tell you. It's because when you step on the scale, there's a there's like a foot pad that you step on and it goes, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. The first time I, they did that to me, I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> it's like whoever designed that just had one little, oh, you're fat. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> like, screw you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just that one, it's the, the details that matter because you, you hear that and you think, I'm being judged. <laughs> so then it makes you not want to do that. <laughs> or work doubly hard. Oh, you know what? That that reminds me, that's a good segue because remember, Elisa, I said we should pick Bob's brain about this and, and we're, we're coming to a close and we should maybe wrap up with this. Um, but we wanted to pick your brain just a little bit about workouts, Bob. <laughs> Because the next episode, um, well, actually, it'll be the episode, I think, before this comes out. We're actually going to be discussing uh, fitness. So uh, we wanted to pick your brain a little bit about it. What Are you going to be using Fitness Plus or are you just going to stick to the workouts? Or do you well, have I'm, gonna, any, I'm uh, not going to be using like to Fitness. I, I don't have Fitness okay. Plus and I don't have any plans you don't to, intend to use subscribe it. to okay. it. Most You're of, happy with the most workouts. Most of my exercise... You- Consists of stuff that's not on the list, so I use other. Like yeah, when yeah, I, yeah. when I was making, um, you do furniture tables, restoration, furniture don't you? Yeah, I want to so ask about that. Uh, mm-hmm. I go out in my shop and uh, turn on the heat of the air conditioning out there, and, uh, and work out there. Or are you sanding I, and you're moving around and varnishing right. and things like that? Yeah. And yet, like yesterday, I. Cleaned the pool with the little creepy crawler thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But that means hauling the big hose out of the out of the garage yeah. and hauling the device out there and trying to remember now how did I hook that up in the past <laughs> and get it to go. And it it always seemed to oh, I want to be down in the deep end. I don't want to go in the shallow end. I want to be in the deep end. And so I let it run for a while and I put it away. And I think I know better what to do next time if yeah. I remember. But while you're figuring stuff out, you're burning all these calories, hoofing things from one place to right. the other. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of us, those of you who don't know, and I don't think I told you, Elisa, but we're all interconnected with Bob on our Apple watch here. So you know how we share workouts mm-hmm. yep. with you and Scott. Yep. And so Bob is on our, our workout shares list and we're always sitting there go, Bob did another workout. <laughs> Cause it makes us so envious. Bob's burning all these calories. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I have to we love it, brag though. a little bit. I am. Please do. My record of completing my calorie burn every day is reaching 900 days in a row. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I remember when you showed me the, the whole year. Didn't you make it through a whole year? Yeah. Uh, and it would be at least a year longer because in, in the before times, mm-hmm. hi, Kelly. Um, <laughs> whenever I got a new watch or a new phone, I would never be able to get credit for that day. So that was a right. lost day. Right. So the record got lost there. Mm-hmm. But, but you've you since know, figured out it, how to fix that? The, for the last watch, for the last oh. watch, uh-huh. I did. Okay, good. And so I you got, got an Apple Watch 6 uh, because what's important to me is oxygen um, right. concentration. And this watch has that in there. And you're finding that useful? I'm finding it useful. I also do sleep tracking with it. I find that useful. And so I'm happy with my Apple Watch 6. And I'm happy that I can, you know, wear it in the pool. Yeah, nice. If I remember to do the little thing. Right. I do. That's the first thing I do. As soon as my hand comes out of the water, I spit out the water. Yeah, see, there's that that training again, just like with the Apple CarPlay. You got to plug it in, so right, right. So you remember, you know, you got to you got to make these things force it into a habit, right? Habit building. Mm-hmm. And a good place to do that is to learn about these things in a in a user group. So yeah, we encourage you to join one to to find one out. Well, any of your viewers who wish to. Join us for our next meeting or use our, see our YouTube um, channel. You can find that at tmug.com. We'll put links to it in the show notes. Absolutely. So, Bob, as we wrap up today, if any of the listeners want to get in touch with you, find out more about you or about TMUG, how would they go about doing so? Well, I have, since I do websites, I have a, a few. Uh, there's uh, thinkbob.com, as in think different and there is also my fine art photography website at dangerousbob.com and if you go to dangerousbob.com you see a um a picture of me sometime during the eisenhower administration wearing a cowboy hat standing in front of the fireplace in my my home in indiana oh Uh, so that's not recent (laughs) no that's not recent but you okay, take a look I at didn't that know guy. the history of that picture then. You take a look at that guy and you'll find out he's pretty dangerous. <laughs> and there's tmug.com. And if you go to my website, thinkbob.com, you can find links to all of my client websites, including my wife. And be happy to happy to have you join us for a meeting or just watch the YouTube video. Thank you for inviting me on to your show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. So, Melissa, how would listeners get in touch with us? They can get in touch with us. You can go to our website, geekiestshowever.com. And we also have an email address that will reach us. It's podcast at geekiestshowever.com. And we're also on the Twitters over at 
geekiest show. Okay. Thanks you everyone for listening. Bob, thanks again for joining us. This was a lot of fun. A lot of useful information that you shared with the listeners. So we appreciate that. So listeners, we'd love to get some of your feedback. Uh, We're going to wrap up for now. We will talk to you again in a couple of weeks and stay safe. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchard, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie.